Isaiah chapter 9. In specific, specifically, we have been looking at verse 6. This is a prophecy that was given 700 years before Christ was born. This prophecy um, was fulfilled in the birth of Christ and the ultimate fulfillment will be when Christ comes and reigns again. And um, in this, it gave us some great, great insight into who Jesus Christ is. You know, many times um, you, you see people open presents and then someone grabs it from them and says, let me show you everything that this thing can do. Um, my brother sent me a, a thing about a, a grandpa that got an iPad. He said, it's in German, but you'll get the message of it. So here they are in a kitchen fixing dinner, and his daughter is there cutting up something. And he's over at, at another counter, and I guess they ask him to cut up something. And she said, Grandpa, I forgot to ask, how do you like your new iPad we got you for your birthday? And he brings this iPad over that he's been using for a cutting board, and, and he scrapes the stuff into the pot, and he walks over and he washes it off under the... And he said, oh, it seems to work pretty well. <laughs> Sometimes we need instructions as to the gifts we get, especially if we're um, senior citizens and we get gifts of technology and so on, okay? But in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, he's telling us this just isn't a baby that is born. It is a child is born unto you, a son is given. And we've seen that's, that's reference to a child is born his humanity, a son is given, that's his deity, that this is God in the flesh. And then it goes on and says the government shall be upon his shoulder. And we've already looked at these names that were given. These weren't just names, these describe the character and nature of, of this gift. And it mentioned that he is the wonderful counselor, that all wisdom dwells within him. He is given to guide us, to direct us in this life. Last week we saw that he is the mighty God, that he has power. He is God. He is the all-powerful God. And we come today to see the next phrase that is used here. The everlasting Father. You know, God designed us in so many unique ways. But everyone is born into this world as a result of a father and with a great father need. I say a father need. In a normal situation... A person desires the acceptance, the approval, the fellowship, the relationship of a father. In a normal situation, uh, we, are, we are built in with that. Sad to say, 
that um, many, many, many times over, those built-in desires are never realized. Sad to say, many people grow up and they have bitternesses um, toward a father that uh, maybe was not what he should have been and so on. And so when we hear this term, he will be the everlasting father, we don't really get the full impact of it. And just briefly, I want us to to look at this. First of all, it says he is the everlasting father. Jesus is everlasting. Literally, it means that he lives in the forever. Wherever you go, before the creation in And in Proverbs it says, before the mountains were brought forth, before the seas were put in place, before anything came to be, Jesus existed. He is eternal. He didn't just show up in the manger. That's when he took upon himself the form of a man. When God said, let us make man in our image, He was referring to the Trinity. And Jesus is the everlasting Father. He is not restricted by time. He does not change. He does not get older or slower or more frail. He never had a need to mature in his character or to grow or to learn. He is the way he is And he has forever been that way. Throughout the Bible, that's brought out from um, the Old Testament. We mentioned Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. He is called the father of eternity in the Hebrew. By which it means he is, is preeminent. He is overall before anything existed. And our minds can't comprehend it. Our minds, everything has a beginning and an ending. But God is eternal. Jesus Christ is eternal. So he says he is the everlasting father. But as a father, the everlasting father, as a father, Christ is a number of things. First of all, he is our representative. A father is, throughout history, has been one that is representative of, of his tribe. The, he is representative of his family. He is representative of his descendants. He is our representative. This doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you stop to think about it, We don't have the time to go into it in detail, but look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 sometime. And in this, it is clearly spelled out. Every one of us that are born into this world are born of our father, Adam. Physically, our life all goes back to Adam. And he says, in Adam we all die. Because Adam's sin, we bear the nature of Adam. We are born into this world with the sin nature. 
And in Adam, as he is our representative, he is the father of the human race, as our representative in Adam, we all die. Sin, we bear the sin nature from Adam. Sin separates us from God. But Jesus Christ came, and 1 Corinthians talks about it in many other passages, Jesus Christ came to be the second Adam. We are born physically with the nature of the first Adam, the first man. We are born in sin. Then Jesus Christ realized, and God planned this before the world existed, that that sin separated us from God. And God said, I love mankind and I want them to have fellowship with me. So I'm sending Jesus Christ to take the sin of mankind and pay the penalty for their sin so that they can be restored to fellowship with man by faith in Jesus Christ. So, going back again, I am born into this world, every one of us born into this world. Our representative is Adam. He is our representative. He is the father of us. Until we come to the time where we realize my sin has separated me from Jesus Christ, and my sin can only be paid for by Jesus Christ, and I call upon Jesus Christ to forgive my sin and save me, then my representative is Jesus Christ. If Adam is my only representative, I am destined eternity apart from God. But if Christ is my representative... If Christ is my representative, then I have eternal life. And so when he says he is the everlasting Father, he is saying, first of all, that he is our representative. But we also, the term carries much more meaning than that, than being a representative. It's also that he is represented as our founder. We say George Washington is the founder of our nation, the father of our nation, meaning the founder. Jesus Christ is the father of all Christians. He is the father of all things that deal with Christianity He is the father of every doctrine of Christianity. And there had never been anything like it until Jesus Christ came. There had never been anything like, for by grace are you saved through faith, and it is not of works. He is the one that founded that. He is the one that established that. No one had ever taught the things Jesus Christ taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Those things never were taught in the same manner that Jesus Christ. He instituted and taught as the founder of the Christian doctrine. So, he is... As a father, it means he is my representative. He's representing me. You have a problem with this? You go talk to 
to my representative. I can remember as a kid, um, my dad taking us four boys out um, squirrel hunting. And um, he'd gotten permission on the land we were going to. And, and we went out squirrel hunting. And somebody came up, and a, a couple of us boys were over in an area. And, and they said, what are you boys doing out here? Who gave you permission to, to hunt here? And immediately our response was, you go talk to Dad. Why? He was our representative. Satan comes to us. What, what makes you think you have eternal life? You go talk to my father. He is our representative. He is our founder. He is, thirdly, the role of a father. He is our life giver. The Father is the one that gives life physically, and Jesus Christ is the everlasting Father, and there is no everlasting life without Jesus Christ. There, there is no life apart from Him. It is in Christ and in Christ alone that makes it possible. And he is the life giver. He is able to take we as rebellious human beings, proud in our own self-righteousness, and he's able to humble us to cry out to him for forgiveness. He is able to take a professed, outright atheist and bring them to become a believer and give them life in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who gives eternal life. So when he says he is the everlasting Father, he's saying he wants to be our representative. He is the founder of everything that we need to believe. And he is the one that gives us life. But there's one more aspect here of the Father. He is also our caregiver. The Father is the one that provides. The Father is the one who instructs. The Father is the one who leads. The Father is the one who protects. The Father is the one who disciplines. Now, I understand. Some of you already in your mind as I'm going through, the Father is the one that provides. Some of you are saying, my Father never provided for us. My father never instructed. My father never gave direction. My father didn't protect. My father didn't comfort. But that's the role of the father. And that's the role that Jesus Christ plays. Don't let the failings of a human father taint how you view the everlasting father. Do you understand? Jesus Christ is here today. To comfort you. To some of you, this year at Christmas, you might be saying, you know what? There's not a lot of joy to me this year. There's not a lot of happiness in all the surroundings. Jesus Christ said, let me come and father you. To some of you, it's like, it's confusion. Which way do I go? Jesus Christ said, I'll be a father to you. To some, the role of the Father 
is a role that when we were in the midst of it, we didn't enjoy it. But in looking back, we say, thank you. The Father also disciplines us. Why? Because he loves us. And there are times in our life that Jesus Christ, as the role of the Father, he brings discipline in our life. Sometimes, you know, it it depends on the situation. I mean, my most severe um, discipline, one of the most severe, was when my dad was preaching and he'd say, Dennis, he didn't have to do any more. Of course, it was always a person sitting next to me that got me into trouble, right? No, no, no. Sometimes he didn't have to call my name. He, he got to calling my name when the evil eye didn't get my attention, when this didn't get my attention, when that didn't. And why did he do that? Because he loved me. Jesus Christ comforts, he leads, he teaches, he disciplines, he protects He's our caregiver. So when Isaiah says, a child is born, and his name will be called the Everlasting Father, he will be your representative. You can look to him. He is the founder of everything that we believe. Let me just add here. You want to know a stark contrast? Go back to the founder of a religion. Find out what Jesus Christ believed. Find out what Muhammad believed. You will find a stark contrast. Find out what Jesus Christ believed. Find out what Buddha believes. You will find a stark contrast. And tell me who you want to follow. He is our representative. He is our founder. He is our life giver. He is our caregiver and It says that he is the everlasting father. He neither dies himself, nor does he become childless. He does not lose a child. Him that the father giveth me, I will keep. And no man can pluck them out of my father's hands. He is the everlasting Father. Do you understand? If there is not security in our salvation, you cannot call him the everlasting Father. You might as well cut this verse out of the Bible. He is the everlasting Father. That tells us a number of things tells us his work will never perish. It tells us that he is willing to be a father to us when we stumble and fall. He doesn't kick us to the side. He picks us up. He ministers in our life. Adam conferred to us physical life. Jesus Christ confers to us eternal life. Adam gave to us a life that is just a bubble, that it's just a vapor, James said, that appears for a little while and then vanisheth away. But Jesus comes and he gives us eternal life. 
You understand, none of his children are dead. None of his sons or daughters are lost. Because he lives, they live. Because he is an everlasting father, we can have everlasting life. So let me just quickly make some applications from these truths. Number one, I said at the beginning, every one of us has a father need. We need a father, and let me tell you, that father need can only be met by Jesus Christ. I don't care how perfect your father is, he is still imperfect. And there is only one that can meet that father need. And I don't care what kind of relationship, you cannot have a relationship with an earthly father the same as is possible with the heavenly father. Number one, an earthly father will die and leave you. But the heavenly father will never leave us. And there is no substitute for the everlasting father. We are, and, and many of you have, have great fathers, and thank God for that, but that father cannot take the place of your everlasting father. And any father that tries to, the shame be on us. We are here mainly to point them to the everlasting father. But every human being has a need, a, a, a father need, and it can only be met by Jesus Christ, college professor had traveled down into Tennessee, and he and his wife, he stopped into a little restaurant, and, and they just looked for a little table back in the corner. They really didn't want to talk to anybody or anything. And while they were waiting, they noticed a distinguished gray-haired man moving from table to table and visiting. And, and the guy thought, oh, man, here he comes to our table. And sure enough, he came and he, he said, where are you folks from? Oh, we're from Oklahoma. Oh, the, the elderly man said, splendid state are here. I, I, I've never visited there, but it's a, a great state I hear. What do you do there? And the professor said, oh, I teach homiletics at a graduate seminary. Oh, so you teach preachers. He said, well, I've got a story for you that I want to tell you. And the gentleman thought, great. You know, here's some elderly gentleman going to take up. We just wanted a simple meal, quiet, private. The man stuck out his hand and said, my name is Ben Hooper. I was born not far from here, just across the mountains, My mother wasn't married when I was born, so I had a hard time growing up. When I started to school, my classmates had names for me. I used to go off at recess by myself and during lunchtime because the the taunts of my playmates cut so deep. He said what was worse when it came time Saturday afternoon to go to town It felt like every eye in town was burning a hole through me. They were all wondering who my real father was. He said, when I was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to our church. And he said, I would always go in late and slip out early 
But he said, one day the preacher brought the end of the service so fast that I didn't have a chance to get out. And just as just about the time I was going out, I felt a big hand on my shoulder, and I looked up, and the preacher was looking right at me. And he said to me, Who are you, son? Whose, boys, whose boy are you? He said, I felt the weight come on me. It was like a big black cloud that has followed me all my life. And he said, I thought, even the preacher is putting me down. But he said, as the preacher looked at me and studied my face, he began to smile with a big smile of recognition. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. You are a son of God. And with that, the gentleman said, he slapped me on the rump and said, boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it. The old man looked across the table at the college professor and said, that was the most single most important sentence that was ever said to me. With that, he smiled and shook hands with the professor and his wife and moved on to another table. Suddenly, the professor remembered. On two occasions, the people of Tennessee had elected an illegitimate son to be their governor, and one of them was Ben Hooper. You understand that father need can only be met by Jesus Christ. And because someone helped that boy realize that God, in the form of Jesus Christ, is willing to be our everlasting father. But he is, secondly, he is the everlasting Father only to those who have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I hear people say, we are all the children of God. We are all the creation of God. But they fail to quote the last part of that verse in Galatians 3.24. We are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. You, you may have as your representative Adam, and you might be the creation of God, but only those who have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and point to Jesus Christ as their representative for the payment of their sin can truly say, I am a child of God. What family do you belong to, Adam's or Jesus Christ? There must come a time where we personally call upon him for the forgiveness of sin. And then, when Christ is my Father, I need not fear the future. Christ is already there. You understand? What does 2016 hold? My Father's already there. He's got it covered. I don't need to fear the future. Because I will always be in his fathering care. Do you know, the the more and more I grow, the more I value and appreciate the care of my heavenly father. Understanding that 
I'll always have the direction and the empowerment and the blessing and the comfort and the direction of my Father. And because He is the everlasting Father, it means that Christianity triumphs. He is the everlasting Father. We know how this all ends. Rejoice today. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We know how it ends. And because of that, regardless of what happens in life, I can always rejoice in Christ my Father. There may come things in life that you can't rejoice in. But you can always rejoice that Christ is my Father. The disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray like you. And he could have begun with a lot of things, but he said, Our Father, calling us back to this relationship. The everlasting Father. There are some people that spend their entire life working feverishly and trying anxiously to gain the approval, to gain the acceptance of their earthly father. It's amazing how many success stories in life are motivated by the one thing they want to hear from their father. Well done. They want the acceptance of the father. What we really need to pursue is the acceptance we have in our Heavenly Father. And He is the everlasting Father. So, this Christmas season, as you think of the babe in the manger, realize that is what makes it possible for us to have the peace of mind that He is my Father. And no one can take it away from me. No one will ever call me and say, we just want to bring you this news that your father passed away. That happens humanly. But I'll never get that call with my everlasting father. I'll never get the call. I just hate to inform you that your heavenly father is battling Alzheimer's. You'll never get that call because he's eternal. He's everlasting. And He wants a personal relationship with us. Rejoice today in our everlasting Father, our representative. He's the one that will give you the answers. He's the founder. He's the life giver. He's the caregiver. And He is my everlasting Father. Heavenly Father. We say that so often, so tritely, Heavenly Father. But Lord, I rejoice today that You desire to be our Heavenly Father. And that Your fatherly care for us is perfect. There's not a father here today that we can say our care for our kids has been perfect. But Your care for us is perfect. And Lord, I would pray if there are individuals here today that have never been born into your family through calling upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, 
Lord, I pray today that they would call upon you. Lord, that they would pray the simple prayer, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me as they trust you alone for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, I pray if anyone here today is not clear on their salvation, that before they leave, they would mention that to someone here. And we could help them to receive the gift of eternal life. Lord, I pray for individuals here today that may feel all alone, that are in great need of your fatherly care. Lord, may they run to you today. And may they rest in the promise that you will be a father unto us. A father like we've never had before. Lord, free us from the limitations of earthly fatherhood. And may we come to know the joy of you as our everlasting father. Lord, we need you. This life presents challenges and and questions that we don't have the answers to. But we rejoice that you as our Father do. So may we rest in you, may we rejoice in you, and may we look forward to your coming again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.